guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Uh, so firstly, to recognize what happened in Turkey and Syria and the tragedy, thoughts and prayers are with everyone there. Uh, I was in Riyadh this week at LEAP and there's such energy in the region and you just hope that the prosperity that grows out of these investments and these startups can uh, really help economically and help this region rebuild, uh, particularly in Syria and Turkey in the future. Uh, and you know, with that in mind, this conversation this week uh, really kind of feeds into that and how uh, digital and technologies are advancing in the region. So I hope you enjoy it. This episode of Dubai Works is sponsored by Step Conference 2023, the leading tech festival for emerging markets. The highly anticipated event will be returning to Dubai Internet City for its 11th edition on February 22nd and February 23rd with a new retro-futuristic approach and experiences including one-on-one -on -one investor meetings, pitch competitions, workshops, keynotes, panels, debates, and so much more. Grab your tickets on www.dubai.stepconference.com. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we're joined by Sudeep Shah. He is the founder and CEO of Digital of Things. They are a leading research and user experience design agency in the Middle East. I think the first pure design agency that we've had on the show. So mm -hmm. good to have you here today, Sudeep. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, so we'll be talking all about the beginning uh, of the company, how you came into it and how you set it up and what your services are. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just generally the competition, uh, the marketplace uh, and the talent and, and the industry in the region mm -hmm. uh, and it's specifically in Dubai and the future. So uh, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. So yeah. So tell us a little bit about Digital of Things. Cool. So uh, like you said, we're a pure play uh, experience agency. So we do a lot of user research uh, and we do design as well. And it's basically to help make better experiences on digital for people of UAE as well as the rest of MENA. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, summary. Okay, summary. <laughs> so for people who, so a digital agency, sometimes you have full service digital mm -hmm. agency that do everything from marketing, yeah. uh, yeah, 360 marketing mm -hmm. on digital, and you, you're sort of more focused on what would be called the kind of UX, UI interface and design part of it. Correct. Can you just explain a little bit more of, you know, when you come on board and what type of services and work that, sure. that entails? Yeah, so like you said, there are lots of agencies out there that do various different parts of, uh, uh, digital uh, what we focus on and what the team is very very passionate about is UX um, and that is how do you create experiences that are seamless efficient you know and a pleasure uh, for consumers um, so a, a big part of that is understanding the customer so what we're very very focused on is user research so that's one part of our business where I mean you know UAE we've got 200 nationalities here 
um, a diverse base. So we take time to understand the customers. You know, what do they want? What's their pain points? Um, and based on all that data, then we actually create experiences. So we design, uh, we do the wireframes and we do the full design. Um, we're not digital marketers, you know, we don't do the SEO, PPC, that kind of stuff. And we don't do development ourselves. Um, what we really, really love to do is how do, you, how do you make things that are user-centric? You know, how do you make something very easy to use, seamless, and so people keep coming back and using the app or a website, whatever it may be. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so was that your background? Were you a marketer? And how did you get in? How did you come to set up digital things? Cool. Yeah. So uh, just tell you the story. So I'm originally from the UK. Uh, I've been in digital all my life, from my degree all the way in my working career. Uh, my last job in London was actually in UX. Um, so I was working for a bank. And uh, I was... Uh, Which one? Lloyds Banking Group. Oh, right. One of the biggest they, they're actually one of my clients in London oh, 10, okay. 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah all yeah. around the Olympics time and things uh, like cool. that. They were a big sponsor of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were great, uh, to be honest, as a bank, because uh, they were really focusing on digital and how mm. to improve that. So I was uh, um, on the teams there to make experiences easy on websites and apps and things like that. So that was my kind of last job in London. And then I flew here because uh, I got a job at Emirates. So I was responsible um, for UX in Emirates. Um, and then I realized when I came to this country that uh, there's a gap in the market. You know, um, there's an appetite for people to have great experiences online, um, but we weren't there yet. This is about five years ago. Yeah, but just, just going to go back a mm. second. So it's amazing to have both of that sort of background because they're the toughest things to get yep. right, right? Mm -hmm. Banking and booking travel yeah. and things like that from yeah. a interface point of view. Mm. But so uh, when, how you get into that, are you a designer or are you a developer? And mm. like, I, do you have a kind of an engineering mind or a creative mind and what did you study? That's good. So my, actually my degree was in business and IT mm. and it's about how technology helps businesses, which is, and this was showing my age now, but about 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and so I love that, that concept, you know, so I wasn't a, an engineer or coder or anything creative. It's more about strategies, about how tech can help businesses. That was how I started. And UX naturally flows into that. It's about, um, so I do more of the kind of strategic side of things, like the product management side of things. So, you know, what are um, some of the features and functionalities that people want and how do we get that going? So mm. I wasn't coding myself. I wasn't designing myself. It was more leading the teams to, to fulfill that vision. Mm. That's what I was... Uh, and then the role in Emirates, uh, obviously, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this has, yeah. has used an Emirates app or a website yeah. to book a flight. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, what size team do Emirates have on UX UI and how does that work? Yeah, so actually Emirates was at the forefront of uh, UX UI when I came into this region. This was seven years ago. So a lot of people weren't, a lot of companies weren't digitally mature at that time, but Emirates was definitely ahead of the game. They kind of knew the importance of UX, UI. Um, and you can tell, you know, from the experiences that they have. So when I first came, actually, I was looking after group brands, which uh, most people don't realize this, but Emirates has a lot of brands. Uh, it's not just the airline. Hmm. Uh, they have, you know, 50 Denata, other brands. a few exactly. other things, yeah. So I was actually responsible for the, uh, the digital properties of the other group brands as mm. well. And there's a lot of them. And it's about how you make the, uh, the website or the app much better from a UX point of view. And then I moved on to the airline. And then when I moved on to the airline, I was responsible for the booking flow. So as soon as you type in a destination to payment, that was my remit. Hmm. Um, and they had, uh, so we, we worked with agencies, we worked with internal staff. There's a huge tech team as well because there's a lot of business rules. There's a lot of um, uh, technical systems that have to work together. So it was huge. 
the whole digital team was probably around about 80 people at that time, mm. um, which is absolutely, you know. Oh, working cool. together in an office in Dubai? Yeah, in the, one, yeah, in the Emirates headquarters. Uh, that's not even the tech team. That's yeah. the digital team, um, yeah. just responsible for digital marketing, UX, UI, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so uh, so overseeing strategy and product, mm -hmm. because, you know, some some companies in the in the space, your clients probably as well have CTOs and mm -hmm. our chief product officers. Yeah. Are, do they have heads of design or how, how does this industry sort of play out or how the roles and responsibilities differ? Mm -hmm. So uh, so actually product um, has grown significantly and the UX industry in the region here. So when I first came, there wasn't many companies that were hiring specific UX designers or user researchers um, and uh, even product, product managers um, when I first came. Um, but over time and over five years of running digital things, I've seen that completely grow. It's a hot industry right now. Everyone's getting in-house teams and they're building up um, uh, full UX teams and product teams, you know, which is great to see. It just means that uh, the region's getting mature, the clients are getting mature. When I, I remember when I started uh, Digital of Things uh, five years ago, we had to educate a lot of our clients mm -hmm. on the importance of research, the importance of product strategy, the importance of UX, UI. Now that's not the case. You know, everyone's coming up to us and say, we need better UX, we need more research, you know? And we don't ha literally have to educate anymore. It's mm. just uh, there's a lot of demand from clients themselves. So, okay, so that's really interesting. So yeah, going back, so you were with Emirates, you did these different roles, yeah. and suddenly you thought, hang on, what I've been doing here, mm -hmm. Uh, is great and I've been brought over to do this, mm -hmm. but actually there's not a, a third party's kind of offering this for many clients. Yeah. Uh, I see a gap here, mm -hmm. hence Digital Things is born. Correct, yeah, so uh, I'm always an entrepreneur. I want to do, do my own thing. Uh, you won't believe I actually wrote the business plan on my flight here when I moved here <laughs> for Digital Things. I bought the domain about four years before I started the business. <laughs> okay. So I knew I was going to do something. But you weren't working on it while you were in your employment? No, no, no. Because you no, were no, so too busy. Yeah, 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 I was too busy. Um, but I, I always wanted to do something, especially in this region. And then I just saw a gap and I thought that there's a strong appetite uh, in Dubai and UAE to really uh, grow digital. You but know? did you know the region, sorry to interrupt, but yep. did you know the region on the flight here? Or did you just kind of think that it would be good from so, the outside? So there's a story behind it. So I've been visiting Dubai since 2000. Uh, at that time, there was only Burj Al Arab, I think. Nothing else was there. Marina wasn't there. Downtown wasn't there. And I've been visiting every year. And I just saw the phenomenal growth. And I, th I thought to myself, I need to be here. This is the growth. You know, this is Middle East. This is where everything's going to happen. And uh, then I just took the, bit, the bullet and came in 2016. So I kind of knew the region for the last 15 years before I moved over. Uh, and I really wanted to do something here. But I thought, let me, uh, you know, work somewhere, understand the culture, get the network built up, and then I'll see if I should start a business. And then about two and a half years later, I decided, oh, well, I saw a gap in the market and I thought, no one's focusing on UX. There are development agencies out there, there's digital marketing agencies out there, but who's actually looking at how to make experiences better for mm -hmm. everybody? And this region needs it. And then I saw lots of things happening, like the international players started coming in. So if you look at like Uber, you know, when they uh, bought out Green Amazon. So all these international players came in and what happened is the expectations of consumers um, uh, increased. Yeah, even um, like Deliveroo and all exactly, these apps, yeah. yeah. All these kind of guys came and what, it just means that everyone's saying, hey, if I can order a taxi in a minute, uh, you know, in a couple of clicks or some food, then why can't I do some, the same thing with my banking or with a, you know, an e-commerce website? Mm. Um, and so then I spotted the gap and I thought, okay, you know, let me start now, quit, 
build a UX agency that focuses on UX and research and then go from there. That's such an interesting entrepreneurial angle. <laughs> Most people are thinking, why don't I do the Uber of this? Yeah. Well, you're kind of going, well, if they're all thinking that, yeah. then let's provide the services around it. Exactly. We, the enablers, you know, how do we enable people to be the next Uber or be the next, uh, you know, yeah. Amazon? So yeah. that's, that's what we kind of targeted. And how, how has that gone? You know, I was listening to a podcast last night and uh, AI is obviously uh, the hot topic yeah. at the moment. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of um, uh, momentum around it. Mm. And it feels as if someone said that, uh, you know, a few, a few years ago, two years ago, it was around Web3 and, and yeah. NFTs. <laughs> and five, six years ago, it was the Uber of everything. Yeah. So we always jump, and this was from a Silicon Valley perspective, that we jump onto the next trend. Yeah. <laughs> but are people, uh, you know, is the Uber of things, is is the demand still there or is it increasing for a good user experience? Uh, so it's definitely increasing, I think, for uh, people are just demanding better experiences. I would say they're uh, less forgiving nowadays, uh, the consumers in this market. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. This is my belief. Um, before, there wasn't much competition. So you kind of don't have much of a choice as a consumer, you know. But now, let's say you're trying to do food delivery you've got actual choices from apps that you want to use. So if you've got a bad user experience in one place, you just go somewhere else. You know, you'd use, if you uh, don't like something on Talabat, you go delivery. If you don't like something on delivery, you go to Talabat, right? So there's a choice that people have now. And that's with everything, with e-commerce, with food delivery, with um, taxi companies, whatever it may be. Um, so in that case, UX becomes super important because that's the sticky factor. There are others, pricing, product, all that kind of stuff as well. But um, I think UX is the differentiator. Um, that people will need to improve um, to get the stickiness. Okay, and in terms of uh, your services, so is you know obviously if RFPs go out for digital agency services yeah. or even for app development, yeah. they don't often sort of break it up, you know, one for the first part yeah. and one for the second part. Mm -hmm. So how have you navigated that? So that is a very good point, and it's changed completely in the last five years. Mm. So when I first started the company, everything was about app development, you know, uh, get everything done, and UX was a small part of it. Over time, we've seen RFPs completely split, actually. And we've, we've had RFPs, which is just UX UI, mm. which for me is, is great validation, mm. you know, because people are understanding the importance of it. I'll give you a couple of examples. We've had clients come to us and said, we developed the website three years ago um, offshore because that's what everyone was doing. Uh, but now we need to be really customer centric. So they actually split the RFP and said, UX UI is separate and development separate. And I actually want two different companies. I don't mm. want one person to do everything because then you've got like, they want experts in each field, you know, to do their the best. Uh, so we're getting a lot more of that. Even now, all the RFPs that we've seen have a separate UX element, which is which is absolutely amazing. Amazing. That's yeah. really interesting to know. But from then, how far does the remit go? Because mm -hmm. you know, user experience can be front end, but it can also be back end in terms mm -hmm. of how internally it's used. Yeah. So do you look at that type of design as well? Yeah. So uh, so now when we first started, it was more so. We do user research and UX UI, right? And that was is more consumer-facing things. Yeah. But we get a lot of other requests now, uh, things like employee experience. So that's internally to the company, right? And how do you make that experience better? So we get asked for those kind of things. Okay. Even um, what I call like product strategy, because it's not just about how it looks and feels, but how does it operationally work? So we get involved in a lot of those kind of things. So what do customers want? but they need to fix a lot of the operations and the back end to make that happen. You know, mm. it's not just fixing the, the look and feel of it. Mm. So we actually get involved in that kind of thing. So you say, this is a customer's pain point. You need to fix your technology and your processes, and then we'll have the front end for it. Okay. So we actually get involved in the whole experience as a whole. 
So even if people, if they don't have their developers, you know, some people have developers in-house in UE, some people outsource it, but they can do the the strategy and the product with you or internally Mm -hmm. in in UE and then have a different development team provided that roadmap is kind of thought through. Correct, yes. And we've done that a lot. So uh, clients sometimes have in-house teams, like you said, or they have a supplier already there, or they ask us to provide development and we have a partner companies that we use. Mm. So either way it works. Um, and we're very good at handing off the designs. You know, we kind of work together. It's not, we do our bit and say, thank you very much. You know, see you later. It's more um, end-to-end and we'll be there supporting the client and the development teams to make something go live. Yeah. The passion for my team, they're very, very passionate about their UX. And for them, the reward is seeing something go live. So we're always there supporting them and making okay. sure the developers are, you know. Uh, what size is your team? So right now it's 20. We started with two people um, wow. and we grew to 20. In- that is validation, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So you have 20 people, mm-hmm. uh, revenues are around two, $3 million? Approximately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you won't reveal specifically, so I wanted to put some numbers out there. Yeah. But so, um, you know, it's so it's kind of modeled and built like a, uh, like, like a services agency. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you find sort of, uh, you know, when when I moved here, the, there weren't that many pure digital agencies. Yeah. Now we're we're seeing lots of as the industry expands, you see specialisms, mm-hmm. you see different practices. Is that what you sort of uh, how you're kind of along that wave? You're part of a, a wider, more uh, a, a, you know a, a wider, grown, built up digital mm-hmm. industry here in the UAE. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like you said, there's a lot of. Um, foreign companies coming in as well. Some of the big international names are coming in as digital agencies. What we decided to do is focus on what we're very good at, which is experience, but it's not just UX, UI anymore, because that's how we started five years ago. Um, It's more like omni-channel, for example. A lot of people ask us for omni-channel. We've done some crazy user research studies out in the field um, because that's all part of a broader experience. So, So it's not a case that everyone's now uh, combining into one and you know everyone's the same digital agency there are specialists but that specialism is getting broader you know so for us experience is not just about ux anymore it's about the wider customer experience so we're growing in that way and uh, uh i think what i've seen in this region uh, which i don't see in the, like europe when i was working there is a lot of people are happy to partner up with experts here you know um, and use the right specialities to deliver the best solution and i've seen that a lot happening here Okay. Uh, and, and some examples of those partnerships. Uh, so, um, so for example, we would have uh, like service design agencies, for example, which do the whole service design, and they'll they'll use us for a part of it, which is the digital part or the omni channel part. There are development agencies that they know their client is so demanding from a user experience point of view, and they know they're not experts in that, but they're great technically. So then they would use us to say, hey, can you help us out with the UX UI? Mm. So we get a lot of those kind of um, uh, partnerships that we work with. Okay, and in terms of the breakup, the makeup of your team, there's a different skill set involved in research yep. than there is in sort of technical design. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? And how do you, how do you hire uh, as a researcher? Right. Okay. So yeah, you're right. Research is, is an art, to be honest. Uh, and we do a lot of research. I would say about 60, 70% of our business is research, um, which is, is fascinating for me because uh, everyone wants to understand this region. Um, and one of the success, the reasons of the success of it is a lot of international players are eyeing the region now because Middle East is on the map, right? And uh, they're all saying, okay, we want to come into the region, but we need to understand the customers first. So let's go to digital things to understand. So we get a lot of queries for research and it's a definite art. It's about 
empathizing with the customer, the way you ask questions, you know, you can't be leading. So there's definitely an art on it. We do take a lot of time to hire, but, uh, and I'll be biased that we've got the best <laughs> researchers and the UXs uh, in, um, in the region. <laughs> um, uh, we do take time to hire. We understand, you know, how they prompt, how they uh, really get the most value from a customer that they're talking to. Um, so the way our team is split, um, and a lot of other clients don't do this, but this is what I think is the ideal method is we have researchers, user researchers that are, uh, they love speaking to customers. They love understanding their thoughts, their opinions, you know, really getting deep with, with actual customers. Then we've got UXs, which are completely different to design, by the way. These guys are doing the flows. They're doing the wireframes. They're doing the functionalities, you know, how everything links together. And that for me, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a logistical thing. It's a, it's a logical uh, way of thinking. And then you've got designers, which is the creative. And that's like, you know, making it look really good and, and uh, pixel perfect kind of designs. So we've actually split those three. Um, a lot of companies you see UX, UI as a term, mm. but they're actually two different skills, the creative skill and then the logical skill. Mm. Um, so we're very careful to split that. So the, UX is user experience yeah. and UI is user interface. Correct. Exactly. And you need, which, which is which, which is technical and which is creative? Uh, so the creative is the UI, the yeah. user interface design. That's okay. the, how it, it all looks, uh, the colors and all that kind of stuff. Whereas the technical is the UX. Uh, which is the flows. And, uh, you know, when you press this button, what happens? Mm. It's that kind of thing. Okay. The only role that overlaps in our team is the research in UX. A lot of UXs, because they're quite technical in terms of flow, they want to understand from users what the pain point are, is. So, we, uh, so our researchers can also do UX and research. So that's mm. where the overlap is. But mm. the designers are separate for us. How do you go about user research? Does it depend on the client if they're at what stage they're at? Um, yeah, how do you go about that? Yeah, so, we, so we've actually got a, a usability lab uh, in JLT in our office. Uh, it's got the FBI one-way mirror, you know, so clients come in, they can watch their end users use the app, uh, use the website, and it, it is fascinating. I don't know if you've ever attended a usability session, but it's fascinating. Like Focus groups, but not a usability group, no, yeah. Because no, yeah. whatever the design is, is made by, when you watch users, using it is completely different, you know? So like, it's like an interrogation room that clients are looking at people use their website and yep. their app yeah, and they can see their behavior of what they're clicking on and why they're scrolling and everything. Yeah. So what would happen is a researcher will be sitting with the customer uh, behind the screen yeah, uh, and we're recording everything on their screen, uh, even their body language, their face. We're, we've even got facial tracking. So it tracks the emotion of the face while they're going through the journey. So you can see if they're confused or they're sad. So it's quite technical. Uh, but the moderator, what we call the moderator, sits with the end consumer and they'll give them tasks to do. And the way you phrase the task is an art in itself. You know, you can't just say things like, oh, do you notice the delivery charge? You know, that's not a good research question. It's more, we give a context. Uh, imagine you're having a dinner party and you want to order some food from Carrefour, for example. Um, you know, when do you think the food's coming? All that kind of stuff. It's the way you ask the questions. So we give them tasks to do and we're watching everything, the client's watching everything and it's absolutely fascinating. Okay, yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's crazy because they're like, okay, we didn't think users think like this, you know, people don't read, they just click through, yeah. they want to do it quick. But as a designer, you, you design with a, a certain um, uh, assumption in mind and when you put it in front of the user, it's just... <laughs> Interesting. So that's, that's obviously when something is live and is, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't have bugs and things mm -hmm. like that. It's actually working, but it can, it can be improved. Mm -hmm. So that's one type of client. Yeah. Do you get sort of approached at the initial stage, you know, in, the, in this kind of MVP sort of mm -hmm. uh, startup where, yeah. they're, where they're like, 
you know, because it's so important, isn't it? Like product market fit yeah. uh, is about this, yeah. it's product creation. So you need to do research. Mm -hmm. You might have an idea, but you kind of go, well, you know, this is how scope creep happens. Yeah. Like <laughs> 10 ideas go into an app and you're like, well, what's this app for? Exactly. Yeah. So so you can be brought in at the earliest stage, do you find that yeah. or people? No, uh, so, and to be honest, that's the most powerful. If you bring them, if you use user research at the beginning, that's the most powerful for any company because mm. you avoid a lot of mistakes. Like you said, you know, you kind of prioritize the scope and you say, okay, we're going to launch MVP. Uh, we're going to launch the first stage of this product, but let's only focus on these features because that's what customers want. So we've had clients before where they literally had nothing and they were designing the app. But what they did is every single month or every two weeks, they would test with us. So they'll create a design. It doesn't have to be live. It's just literally on, on the Figma files. And they would literally test every so often, like every month. So when they launch, they can be sure that it's exactly what customers need. Mm. And that is really, really powerful. And those companies that have done that have been really, really successful. They've got extra funding now. They've got hundreds of employees, you know, they're really uh, uh, shooting in the market. Okay. So, yeah, we do uh, get that a lot. That, yeah, <laughs> you know, you and I have just been to Leap and yeah. in Saudi and, you know, it's just fascinating to see the energy around startups mm -hmm. over there. Like obviously, you know, there's energy in Dubai on startups yep. and there's a lot of investment everywhere. The region is thriving, as you said, but, you know, I was taken by one presentation, a venture firm, and they, they showed what they've invested in, mm -hmm. in the last five, six years. Yep. And all these big, cool logos on the screen, on <laughs> yeah. the stage went up and, you know, like there's just so much that goes into that, isn't there? Like, you know, so, um, yeah, so how, how do you kind of look at that? Do you go, uh, do you look at those companies and say, oh, well, that's obviously a competitive space, mm -hmm. but clearly the ones that make it mm -hmm. have good research, good product, as yeah. well as good leadership, and good marketing and everything. Mm -hmm. So I completely, I think um, uh, people underestimate the value of good UX uh, in terms of the success of the app. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you only use apps that you love to use, mm. right? Uh, and you kind of delete um, everything else. So there should be more of a focus on UX. Um, in this region, five years ago, there wasn't. I would say it's changed now. And you can see, and I think startups, everyone's got a tech product nowadays, right? That's where the, the startup world is. Um, and I think there is a focus on that now because they realize that a competitor can come in straight away. The only way we're going to differentiate is either pricing, product, uh, as in product selection or uh, UX mm. uh, or a combination of everything. So I think it's it's really important for success. I'll give you, an, um, let's take an example. F before Facebook, right? I mean, you had High Five, if you remember those days, and you know, all these other apps. Friendster, Bebo, Friend, MySpace. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the Facebook UX and everything was so easy, you just get that traction, right? Um, same thing with all these food delivery apps as well. People. But interesting though, see, that Facebook actually didn't have mm -hmm. a native app yep. when they IPO'd in 2012. Mm -hmm. They were still on HTML5 and they didn't have, so they actually had to switch and make it better on the mobile. But yeah. On the mobile, exactly. Yeah. And, and the timing was right for Facebook because then the iPhone release and the smartphones released so then you know uh, people could do it on the go so that's a that's yeah. timing for them but I, I can recall loads of other um kind of second movers that were really successful because their ux was amazing yeah and you can see that you know um okay so it really really helps if you want to be successful i think you should focus on the experience um i think customers are really impatient nowadays you know they just want that instant gratification they just switch very quickly loyalty is not even that big a deal um, and the only way you're going to retain people is just having uh, seamless experiences. Okay, so that's kind of interesting then. So the makeup of your clients, do you, what sectors are they? A kind of two-part question. What sec sectors are they? And then what's your relationship with them? For example, uh, you know, what you just mentioned kind of pointed towards 
product feature changes and updates as you go. So yeah. it's kind of uh, ongoing mm -hmm. uh, relationship, or is it more of the sort of here's some here's how to build it off you go? Right. It's it's a it's a combination of everything. Uh, so in terms of our <clears throat> client set, it's across industries. We work across. We've done banking, leisure, and tourism government, it's just been a variety because UX is UX. There is domain um, nuances that you need to put in, um, but everyone wants the kind of similar experiences, you know. So we work, work across sectors all the way from startups to enterprise. So we've got startups right from the beginning all the way to uh, enterprise level. Um, so, uh, so we work across everyone, but the type of things we're seeing, um, sometimes people want a whole refresh. You know, they said, look, the app's not working. Let's just start again. You know, so we've got we've got those kind of leads. Sometimes it's optimization. So what is going wrong? Something's not right. Our conversion rate is very, very low. Uh, we the analytics show that people are dropping off, but we don't understand why. So we we answer the why. Why is it happening? You know, why are people not coming back? That's what we help out with. The other thing is we get a lot of requests from international guys wanting help with localization for this market. So uh, delivery is a perfect example. The London team contacted us and uh, said, hey, we, you know, we launched in this region, very new. This was four years ago. Mm. Um, said, can you help us uh, understand what people want from uh, you know, the Middle East market? Um, so we did a lot of research, a lot of usability tests with their current app. I can tell you some stories, it's fascinating. I remember actually once we, um, we did a screening questionnaire. So the way we recruit people, uh, Based on the client, we ask questions, um, how many times do you order, you know, uh, where do you order from? And then we recruit the right people to, to do research with. I remember calling up the, uh, the London team and I said, oh, here's the results, you know, um, is this okay? And she said, is there something wrong with your results? I'm like, no, why? And she said, people say that they order twice a day, delivery, uh, like food delivery. And I'm like, yeah, it's the why. And she goes, no, in London, it's like once every two weeks. Wow. There must be something wrong with the results. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's, it's a convenience culture. Like twice lunch, dinner, you know, people ordering like, coffees. I think two scenes seems about right. She Making was fascinated. Making people feel guilty. But yeah, no, so do you, are you hiring kind of people that you're not hiring people who are passionate about the client? Are you, are you when you have a, a, a new brief, yeah. are you actually hiring, are you sending the profiles of the people you're hiring to the client? No. Uh, yes, but it's not people that are passionate about the client. We don't want bias. We don't actually give them the client name when we're hiring. We base it on their demographics. Yeah. So we look at what their demographics are or, or which demographics they want to target. And then we hire accordingly. So they might say we want mass affluent people aged between this level or this nationalities. Is this for the for the focus group type? Yeah. Or is the, oh, that, that isn't your employees? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, no, no. Okay. This is for the Fine. focus group and the uh, the research part. Research part, yeah. Have. So we match it to the demographics uh, that they have or they're, they're trying to target. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we, yeah, we try and find people that are not biased or haven't had a complaint against the company because, you know, they'll start saying, of course. you know, crazy things. So, yeah. yeah. But no, it's glad you brought up that point uh, about the localization because, you know, one of the things that gives startups in the region uh, a chance against the global highly backed yeah. and highly funded companies is that their ability to be agile and nimble, but also to localize. And we heard that a lot with sort of Kareem and even Souk before. Mm -hmm. It's that you can understand uh, cultural behavior types and yeah. also different things and you know we see this a lot that you know in the region with you know privacy around uh, number sharing and mm -hmm. taxis and all this sort of stuff that it needed to be different here than Correct. is accepted yes. in the US mm -hmm. and you know um, we obviously do some streaming as well and I often see what Netflix do with yeah. in markets and one of the examples was 
they always believed in streaming, so they didn't have a download feature. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were told that in India, you need to add a download feature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they said, no, you don't. We believe in <laughs> streaming. And yeah. then, but what, they, what happened was, is that people... Uh, when they launched in that market, they weren't as successful because yeah. people would go home at night and their internet wouldn't be fast enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's similar in the Middle East, like the, the 3G, 4G, 5G, the penetration wasn't as good. And even the fiber network wasn't across the country. So what happened was they would at work during the day, they would download all the files yeah. Yeah. and then go home and watch them. So yeah. what Netflix did, rather than sort of MP4s onto laptops, they uh, kept the downloads feature native into the app. Yeah, right. So the file can be played basically offline. Yeah. And and so it's a very smart sort of product feature based on research. Yeah, completely right. And localization is really, really important. Um, and th those examples are really, really good. I mean, there's others like, I remember cash on delivery was a big thing before the pandemic um, here in this region, you know, but in UK it's not even heard of. Like when I was there, you know, cash on delivery wasn't even a thing. People are used to paying on cards. But here there, there's, um, it was just the culture. Um, so people that were coming in from international, like the brands, they had to add that feature in. Mm. Now it's gone because a lot of people are used to Apple Pay and, uh, and cards uh, because of the pandemic. Mm. But, <clears throat> you know, three, four years ago, that was a thing that they had to put in. Yeah. So those kind of small things really help with localization and just connecting with um, the individuals and the yeah. consumers. And what about, uh, interesting, going back to the banking sector, because, mm. you know, a lot of people have frustration with mm -hmm. banking in general. Yeah. And some of that is, isn't the bank's fault. It's just compliance and the yeah. security. And, it, you know, it's actually just part of the industry. Yeah. And part of it is to keep our money safe. But uh, some of it is sort of to do with experience. Mm -hmm. uh, how have you found that? Yeah. <laughs> so the banking is a, okay, it's a, it's a difficult industry to be honest, because you're right, it's a lot of regulations. It's marketing, but legal, all this kind of stuff. And you're always trying to balance user experience with um, the regulations. So when I was in the UK, um, I, I had lots and lots of ideas and uh, I couldn't implement every single one, right? Because of the reg regulations that are there. Um, um, and you just have to balance it. Uh, same thing here, but it's a bit less here, I would say. People are more willing to, to innovate. Um, that I've seen because we work with fintechs and banks as well here um, but you do get the regulations I'll give you a perfect example um, there was someone wanted a, 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 for a bank a really easy way to sign up for an account and the legal team said we need to put all these terms and conditions in here and we need a big paragraph where uh, there's a checkbox that says I read this paragraph right and you have to put that in the legal team was saying you yeah, have to have to have to so what we did is said you know what let's do some eye tracking because uh, we've got eye tracking facilities in our lab and we showed them the screen Basically, they looked at the whole form. They didn't even look once at this paragraph. They looked at the checkbox and people clicking on it. Of course. And pressing <laughs> right? Not even one, not even one eye, it, yeah. right? They just ignored it. So then the, the conversation comes out like, why are we putting this in there? If no one's reading it, are we actually solving the problem of that we're, you know, we've um, consent to everything? Because people are actually not looking at it. So then you think about, okay, what are the ways uh, we can change this round? You know, is there a pop-up that we can do that says you have to accept? So... It's a balance of regulation, marketing, everything mixed together. Banking is a hard industry for sure. Like mm. it's, it's very, very difficult. And there's always a challenge between experience. Is from five years ago when you started this and say some of the banking clients, mm -hmm. uh, are you seeing improvement mm -hmm. versus the UK? Um, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, there's still a way to go, I would say. The finance industry. I mean, the fintechs are great. 
the ones that are coming in starting from kind of scratch and you see some of these big banks also spinning off fintechs um they're really good because they're, they're not stuck with legacy systems they're not stuck with the, the old even ways. the spin-off ones yeah are they doing it from scratch or are they sort of are they outsource are they working with partners to do the sort of look and feel but mm-hmm. then it's kind of the same tech team that's what i'm going to say it's the tech team and the processes are kind of similar because of the the regulations here but at least the look and feel is a bit easier you know there's a uh, it's not like the old school days mm-hmm. um, so yeah, i think it is changing but if i'm honest i think there's some way to go and what so how can you how can you describe that like how can you make that tangible explain you know way to go or where what's going to happen next mm. so i think if you look at some of the fintechs from abroad like the monzos the revoluts you know you, you see the user experience and people are using it because of that um i mean there's lots of stats in there uh, about how how easy it is to use if they can do that you know with all the regulations in place then why can't we do it you know um why can't we focus on that so i think people should rethink the experience um so a lot of people think we've always done it this way so let's carry on you know mm. let's create a, a new bank but these are the processes what i think needs to happen is we need to challenge it a bit more why is this step in place or mm. why is there a, this kind of process why don't we rethink it completely because that will help with the experience if you're following the same operational process there's not much you can do on the front end you know mm. there's not much you can change but i think if they just rethink everything you know do we really need the step in between you know mm. i mean this cooling off periods for example here right do we do we need that do we not you know what is the reason for it is there different ways we can do stuff i yeah. think there's a bigger picture that uh, banks and fintechs need to think about it's hard isn't it for companies because there's investments and there's it's hard it's kind of pivoting isn't it it's mm. digital transformation it's it kind of straddles all those things yeah yeah um yeah it is very difficult you have to do a, there's a lot of work around it you know uh, it's not just about look and feel of the app yeah, it's the process exactly. behind it yeah. one of the companies that you might have passed by at at, at leap in 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 riyadh uh was uh neo something was it neo loop neo leap uh the, there was uh, a fin autonomous no autonomous was another one but there was one uh fintech of a big saudi bank right right and neo something and they had i don't know if you saw but they had three products mm-hmm. one that was like um one was the the AT, the card device for the restaurants yeah. you know mm-hmm. the the device where you tap your tap card mm-hmm. and then the other one was a point of sale device a bit like foodix yeah. and they kind of you know so what, when we're thinking about banks uh doing fintech we we almost just think of revolution we think of like a, a digital yeah, version like, yeah. yeah like some in the UAE have mm-hmm. launched them like yeah. live and uh, zand and these yeah. other ones mm-hmm. but in but in but i was surprised or impressed that okay they want to have a product for all the different areas of fintech yeah. Yeah. so it, uh so you know it, i guess then that kind of gives more uh, justice for a uh, justification for what your services that can be a finance can be you know what you do isn't just uh the banking side of it but it can be across all fintech oh yeah of course uh, so one of our clients is a prominent uh buy now pay later solution so it's not oh, a yeah. bank but it's a it's a different uh, part of fintech and it's still we started that from scratch you know we actually worked together to uh understand the customers in this region first uh, because that model has been successful abroad um and i remember the founder came to us and he just had the idea you know and nothing else uh, we helped him with the research understand what customers want in this region and then we developed the product and the ux ui for it and again it is not a bank but it's a fintech uh, uh, application and it's a use yeah. case that worked here i like that example because yeah. 
that's a smart founder mm-hmm. because it's kind of the the thing isn't like they say how do you make a successful company yeah. idea to execution yeah. and yeah. you think execution is sort of like raising money and then hiring people yeah. but actually if you can get that bit right yeah exactly you're kind of on so, track i'll give you an example of what happened with that one um, like if you look at us um, their salaries are paid on a two week basis yeah so their payment plans are based on the salary payouts here it doesn't work like that right it's a monthly payment that everyone gets paid salary so the product doesn't it, you have to change the product to match what's happening here. A couple of other things like what do people spend money on here? What do they really want? And then how do we split the payments up for buy now pay later? So then uh, the research helped the categories. So is it luxury items? Is it handbags? Is it watches? Is it, you know, what are the, uh, electronics? What are the right categories that people want by now pay decision? And it's different to Europe and US, mm. right? Because the demographics here are different. Mm. So it's those kind of things that really helped shape the product as we go. Yeah. So um yeah, it's a uh, Amazing. Yeah, so, <laughs> so basically, the finance sector is interesting. There's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. You've got crypto in there. You've got fintech. You've got payments. There's a lot of things happening, you know? Yeah. Some really great innovative startups. And it's not just banking. You're right. It's okay. Just, fintech is everything, you know? Amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, I just got an ear, a note in the earpiece that we're already 40 minutes. Oh, so, a flying <laughs> yeah. conversation. No, yeah. it's fascinating. But, um, I, you know, without. I couldn't really have this conversation without asking you about websites yeah. because, you know, with because many people think they're dying, are they? Uh, no, actually, you'd be surprised. A lot of people think I want an app. I want an app, right? Um, uh, I don't know if you know that the uninstall rate is like 30% within the first month. Mm. So you spend a lot of money doing these apps. If your UX is not right or the use case is not right or you, no one finds it valuable, they'll deinstall it because people have what we call app fatigue. Right, mm. people actually have app fatigue. I don't want loads of apps anymore, you know. So, if you're spending that much money developing app, marketing it, and then people are uninstalling it straight away because they don't see the value in it, then stick to the old school ways. You know, some people just prefer a website, and websites are a bit smarter now. You know, the mobile responsive websites. You've got PWAs, which is progressive web apps. You've got lots of ways to make websites easier, and even the features like notifications, for example, just simple. You know, the push notification. You can do that from PWAs now. So. Mm. You, so it's not a case of you need an app or you need a website. It's what is right for your customer. You know, what do they want? Um, so it, it just depends, you know, is it what I call, um, if it's a, there's a famous thing that says, if it's a vitamin or a pill, right, your service. So what I mean, that a vitamin is something regular that you're just going to keep using, like food delivery. Mm. Then yes, an app is a good, great idea. But if it's a one-off thing that you're always going to do, right, um, then a website's fine. You know, mm. everyone's using it on mobile device. Uh, so why spend money on an app if they're going to use it once every three years or That's every nice two analogy. years? Yeah. Uh, but one of the other reasons why people ask that question isn't just versus apps, which obviously is valid, but uh, it's also just in terms of native social mm. and how we use digital. You know, um, do you think that, what, what's your view on that? Obviously, there's a there's a role to design mm-hmm. apps, apps and websites, but consumption is so big. There's such a monop- monopoly on some apps, isn't yeah. there? Like yeah. uh, in terms of media consumption and other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. So it depends on um, uh, what it is. Like there is like there's certain industries that need the app. You know, like media consumption, in, uh, social media, all this kind of stuff is very very important. You need to get that right. There are some companies that go straight to app. But it makes sense for them, mm. you know, because that is their, um, um, their what do you call it, uh, use case. Mm. And there's some that do the website and then um, app later. We get asked a lot, you know, should we have an app? <laughs> and we're like, okay, let's think about it. Don't just <laughs> decide because it's a cool thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, find out exactly what's important and how people are consuming content, all that kind of stuff. Okay. I think the future is going to change, though. Um, 
there's lots of things coming out, like voice, for example. You know, in that case, there's no app, there's nothing. It's just, you know, the smart homes, for example, mm. um, what we call voice interfaces. That's just you speaking out, right? You don't need an app, you don't need a website, nothing. Mm. So the future will change. You know, you've got VR, AR, metaverse, all this stuff. So yeah, I don't know what the future will bring. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> but it sounds like the name of your company, Digital of Things, yeah. is ready for that. <laughs> <Digital of> everything. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So lastly, Sadiq, what, what's your view in the region? Obviously, you've just been to Saudi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you moved here sort of six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you... Is it, are you as enthusiastic as you were when you were writing that business plan on the plane? Are you mm-hmm. bullish about the region? For sure, definitely. Yeah, I, I've seen it grow uh, uh, in a great way in the last five years, and I think it's still going to grow exponentially. You know, I think we're at the end of the hockey stick, like the bottom, and it's just going to go up wow. straight. Um, that's here as well as Saudi. Saudi's going to grow. You've seen you were at Leap, so you've seen the kind of innovation that's going on there. We're setting up in Saudi as well for that reason. Mm. Um, so there's a. Uh, yeah, I think the region's got a lot to give. Um, uh, and definitely I can see it, the international eyes on the region. I can see that happening. I can see the talent that's coming over here as well because, you know, Dubai's, the way they handled the pandemic, the government and what they push behind it is great and it's attracting a lot of people. So what happens is if talent increases, you know, we're just going to produce great things and that's just going to have a cyclical effect. You know, mm. people are just going to keep coming here, using more things, more companies are going to come. And yeah, the region is just going to boom. So I'm very, very bullish about it. Nicely put. Pleasure <laughs> talking to you too this morning. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. Thanks a Thank lot. You. That was super interesting. I think it's cross-sector. So anyone who's thinking about starting an app or thinking about the apps that we use uh, to know that there's uh, brains and uh, agencies out there working on this stuff at a high level is, is really brilliant to hear. So well done to Sadiq and what he's doing at Digital of Things. Uh, as was mentioned at the start, I'd like to thank the sponsors of this show, the STEP Conference. Uh, they're happening again for their 11th year in Dubai next week. It's a brilliant event. I'm going to be hosting a fireside chat on Friday with uh, a well-known sort of music producer and creative guy known as the Jillionaire. So if you want to come to that talk, please do find me at at the digital stage on Friday uh, at STEP conference. Uh, thank you to Shahir and Ali and Ali, two Ali's, uh, Ali, Ali Khalil and Ali uh, Baba who put together this show. Uh, and then Shahir who's uh, bringing in the guests and working on the distribution and everything like that as well. Thank you to the listeners. Uh, if you're watching uh, on smashy.tv, thank you for subscribing. Uh, we've just reached 6,000 downloads of the smart TV app on Android, so on TCL and Sony and all that sort of stuff as well. So in addition to people who are watch- who are listening on the audio, uh, please do like, comment, subscribe. Uh, every additional person that listens means that we can grow and bring on better quality guests. Uh, not that our guests haven't been of the highest quality in the past, but we can continue to grow this uh, podcast uh, for the region and for everyone listening in Dubai as well. Uh, thanks a lot, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Episode.